Well, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and be turning, if you would, please, to the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to finish up our series today that we've called Reach in 2024. The last Monday of January, the Sesame Street character Elmo put the following on his Twitter, or now call it X account, and it simply said this, Elmo is just checking in, how is everybody doing? Elmo's just checking in, how is everybody doing? The Los Angeles Times reported that what transpired was an existential crisis by way of ex-users sharing their sense of overwhelming dread and anxiety from the personal to the global that got even the little red Muppet in his feelings. He probably did not expect the Internet to unload its collective anguish in its replies, but it did. The Times reported that more than 12,000 replies, 47,000 retweets, retweets, and 115,500 likes by Wednesday morning. They shared some of the replies. Remember, he just says, how is everybody doing? One user said, every morning I cannot wait to go back to sleep. Every Monday I cannot wait for Friday to come. Every single day and every single week for life. Another user wrote, the world is burning around us, Elmo. Another user replied, Elmo, we are tired. Journalist David Levitt said this, Elmo, I'm suffering from existential dread over here. Another user replied, Elmo, I'm depressed and broke. Another user replied, Elmo, I just got laid off. And then one left a lengthy reply that was quite interesting. He said, people have, less, uh, people have lost all hope in a dystopian nightmare that, once, that was once called America. We are told not to trust our eyes and to believe the science unless the science has to do with gender. We're on the edge of a civil war, a world war, and a culture war. In the absence of God, there is only Taylor Swift. Beloved, I don't know if you realize it or not, but just these few replies screams loudly that people are hurting, people are suffering, people are desperate for relief, so much so that they're willing to cry out and tell their feelings to a muppet, to a puppet that does not even exist. What they need is the love of Jesus Christ. What they need is to know the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and to know the hope that He brings in their life. And they need a church family like we have here that's filled with people who will love them and support them and encourage them and pray for them and serve them. And as we finish up this series today, beloved, as we think about the idea of reaching, we've, we've done three weeks counting today. On week number one, we talked about that we need to reach up in our worship. And we encourage you in your personal worship of the Lord Jesus Christ, your worship of God. And then last week, we encouraged you to reach in to your church family, to love your church family in various ways. And then today, we're going to finish up with the idea of reaching out, reaching out to your world. Now, I ask you to turn to the Gospel, and if you'll find Matthew chapter 9, we're going to read a passage there, Matthew chapter 9. Verses 35 through 38, so the very end of the chapter. 
a very interesting account from the life of the Lord Jesus. And it says in Matthew chapter 9, beginning at verse 35, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching them in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when He saw the multitudes, this is the Lord Jesus now, when He saw the multitudes, He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then He said to His disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. I want to walk through this very brief passage with you. And I want you to notice right away that what we have here in Mark chapter 9 at the very end there is a sad scene. It's a sad scene. Look at the description of the people here. It says there was multitudes of people. There's sickness. There's disease. There's weariness. And they're all laboring along, going along without a shepherd. It says that they were scattered in verse 36. I looked it up in the original Greek. You know, we have an English translation. I looked it up in the original Greek there. And it means to throw or to throw down. It has the, the sense of being rejected or being thrown away. And when I read that, I thought, what a picture of how so many people probably feel in this world. They feel that rejection. They feel like they're thrown away. They have no purpose. They have no value. They have no meaning. They have no hope. And sadly, some of them feel and they actually are surrounded by people who also treat them that way as if they have no value and, and no worth at all. The question, of course, comes up, how did we get into this situation? How did we get into this mess? How did things get so bad in our world? Well, there's one word that answers that, and it's the word sin. Sin entered our world. We read about it back in the book of Genesis. Our representative there, Adam, he ate of the forbidden fruit, he disobeyed God. And humanity and the world itself was plunged into all that we see around us now. The decay the disease, all of it. Sin has infected every area of life. And in so many ways, sin has destroyed lives. It destroys the creation that God has given to us. And what we have here is a multitude, a mass of humanity, not only in this passage, but in our world today. We're surrounded by them, of people that are groping along in the darkness with hopelessness in their life and fear. And they have no true joy and no true peace. People that are so desperate, they'll respond and cry out to a Sesame Street character. What a sad, sad picture we have here. But in the midst of this sad picture, in the darkness that we see in this part of Matthew chapter 9, there shines a bright light, a brilliant light. And I hope you noticed it. We have a sad scene, but did you also notice we have a loving shepherd that is on the scene. Look what it says about the Lord Jesus. Look back at the passage. Look at verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. 
Verse 36, though, just arrests me in so many ways. But when he saw the multitudes, now let's just think for a moment, let's just stop. He's the one that created these multitudes. He's the creator. He's the sustainer of life. Everybody that he's looking at, he created them. And here he is, the God-man, perfect God, perfect man, joined in the flesh, come to rescue us from our sin. He's there and he looks out upon this mass of people and it says he was moved with compassion for them. Why? Because he says that they were what? They were weary. And they were scattered, having no shepherd. Jesus here, this loving shepherd, he's teaching He's preaching, He's healing, and He's moving with compassion. If you want to know what God thinks about and how He feels about our sin and our sorrow that we deal with, look right here. Here it is. It says He was moved with compassion. Jesus loves these people. He ministers to their needs. He tells them about the gospel of the kingdom. And you notice that when Jesus arrives, when Jesus shows up in these scenes you read throughout the gospels especially and throughout the word of God, when Jesus shows up, things change. Things change. That's true because things change when Jesus arrived upon planet Earth. Remember, He created all things. He's God, always has been God, will always be God. But He robed Himself in flesh and came not because of His sin or His wrongdoing. He never did anything wrong. He came as perfect God to live a perfect life as the God-man, perfect man, perfect God joined together to voluntarily go to a cross and shed His precious blood and die for us and take our sin and our penalty and our shame and all of that upon Himself to bear that for us. They buried Him, but the third day He arose again. We sang about it this morning. And He's alive forevermore. And He did that because He loves us. The most well-known verse in all the Bible. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the moment a person recognizes God opens their eyes to their sin and their need and the Holy Spirit convicts them and brings them to the point of conversion when they place their faith in Jesus Christ, they are forgiven. They're born again. They're given a home in heaven. Their sin is washed away and they have a new hope and a new peace about them. If you've never experienced that, I pray today will be the day that God gets a hold of your heart and brings you to Himself. But the interesting thing is that God left us here, though. It'd be cool, would it not, to see someone maybe walk an aisle and bow in prayer, and they call out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. They pray the sinner's prayer and all of a sudden, they just we're, while we're watching, they just shoot to heaven. Some of y'all be worried about the broken tiles and the roof, but what an awesome thing that would be. But then, who would tell them? There wouldn't be a preacher. At least not a gospel preacher. You wouldn't be here to witness that if you know Jesus. We recognize that God saves us, but He leaves us here, but we're still in a broken world filled with broken people. Why is that? Well, we find in this sad scene with the loving shepherd, what happens next is there is a compassionate command that comes from the lips 
of the Lord Jesus. He spoke it to his disciples that day and he speaks it to each of his followers today. If you're a follower of Jesus, he's addressing you as well. Notice what he says there. Generally speaking, just a full summary of the statement is this. There's a full harvest, but there's too few workers. A full harvest, but too few to get in the crop. And he gives a command. Did you notice that? It's not a suggestion. He says in verse 37, the harvest truly is plentiful. It's a full, bountiful harvest, but the laborers are few. Therefore, because of that, here's the command. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Can I just ask you a question? Follower of Jesus, we know Jesus. When's the last time you prayed that prayer? When's the last time you prayed, Father, send laborers into the harvest? By the way, I don't think he's only talking about full-time vocational ministries or ministers here. They're included. But remember, the problem is the harvest is too big. The laborers are too few. We need more laborers and we need everybody laboring that knows Jesus. We need more workers. The people... Here, they need people to come and tell them about Jesus. Laborers to come and tell them about the glorious gospel. To minister to them in Jesus' name. To share Jesus' love with them. To minister in practical ways. To meet their needs. To encourage them. To help them. To strengthen them. We see that going on in so many ministries and so many lives. But the ultimate goal is what? To eventually... Be able to tell them about the gospel of the Lord Jesus. As we minister to them, as we love them, we, we're praying that at some point, God, you'll open a door, you'll lead us, you'll show us exactly when the right time is for me to speak a word for you to share the gospel. Now, sometimes that's immediate. Because maybe, maybe that person didn't have long. They don't know that, but God does. And it brings someone across our path and and we see them and we are led immediately to tell them about the Lord Jesus. And, and God opens that door sometimes right away. But sometimes it's a, a time frame goes by and you're loving and you're serving and you're doing your ministry. All of a heart of love. No, no ulterior motives. You want to tell them about Jesus, but you're going to be Jesus' hands and feet in the meantime. You're going to show them Jesus by the way that you treat them. And then tell them about Jesus. If we're going to do this, because here's the interesting thing. Sometimes when we pray something, we're actually a part of the answer. In fact, I think more times than we would like to admit, <laughs> we pray something and we're part of the answer. Oh Lord, please send someone to reach my neighbor for Christ. <laughs> then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and said, I've already placed you there. You go. Yes, we're to pray for those we cannot go to, but sometimes we're the answer to our prayer. Lord, I pray that you'll bless that family. They're in need. Maybe the Lord says, well, I've given you extra. So, ooh, this is... Good preaching, hard living. Yes, it is. We can't go to everyone, but we need to pray that someone will go. We, we talked about the Baloch people today. I, I haven't been called to go to reach them at this point. I've been called here at this point in my life. 
But God has someone that needs to go. Pray to the Lord of harvest that He'll thrust forth, He'll throw forth laborers into His harvest. Now, if we're going to live this way, we've got to be intentional, I think, in at least two directions. First of all, we've got to be intentional to pray for laborers. Be intentional to pray for laborers. Jesus told His disciples, and the interesting thing is, they were already with Him. They were already serving. They were already there with the Lord Jesus. And He said to them, pray the Lord will send laborers, send other people. And so we need to be praying that. We need to be going ourselves to where God has placed us. And by the way, we're going to have a missionary from Honduras, him and his wife, with us on the March the 3rd. But here's the reality. I'm looking at a lot of missionaries right now. We're all missionaries. If we know Jesus, we may not be in Honduras, but we're at a college campus. We're at our high school. We're on a ball team. We're in our neighborhood. We're in our community. And you should be intentional in reaching people for Jesus Christ. There should be people in your mind, on your heart, that you're seeking to reach for Christ. And it's okay if they know you're trying to reach them for Christ. <laughs> One of our members told me Wednesday night that she met a fellow in our community and the fellow told her, your preacher's after me. Amen. I've been found out. <laughs> That's Okay. And, and what is it we're looking for? Just for them to come and warm a few? No. We want to see them come to Christ. Place their faith in Christ. We've got to be kingdom-minded in this. Kingdom-minded. God will send forth those He wants here. God will send others to other churches. The main thing is that they know Jesus Christ as their Savior. So you're to be a missionary everywhere. Not just, well, I'm not in my community. They couldn't come to my church. It doesn't matter where, what church they go to as long as it's a gospel-preaching church. The point is you need to reach that person for Christ. You've got to be intentional. Pray for laborers. You know, I have my sphere that I can minister to, but now I see all these other needs. And we're being very intentional by way of the church to put before you these people groups and these needs and all these people that do not know Jesus Christ. Imagine... 700,000 plus people and nobody knows Jesus. Nobody. And that's just one of many that have not heard the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus. We need to be intentional. So you should be praying for missionaries. Praying for laborers. Can I just challenge you, mom and dad? Pray that God will send your kids. Pray that God will send your grandkids with the gospel. Wherever they find themselves. Pray that God will raise up full-time vocational ministers to serve Him all around the world. Be intentional in praying for laborers. And then secondly, we've got to be intentional to see people as Jesus sees them. And I think this is one of the hardest things because there are some people that we naturally are drawn toward. We like those sorts of people. And usually those people are like us. They're like us. And so the Democrats want to be with other Democrats. The Republicans want to be with other Republicans. The, the Baptists want to be together. The Methodists want to be together. Um, the 49er fans want to be together. The Chief fans want to be together. I want to be in the same socioeconomic, same interests, same clubs. But here's the reality. God has not called us to live that way. That's one of the issues that I personally have with specialized churches that only appeal to one demographic or one type of person. That is not the church. 
The church is unity in Christ, which brings all sorts of different people together and puts them together in unity. Why? Because we're one in Christ. The poor people, the rich people, black, white, whatever. The church, that's what the church is. People from every tongue, tribe, nation, village, together in Christ. And we've got to see people as Jesus sees them. And this is very difficult because they're going to be different than you are. They're going to look different, drive a different vehicle, have different views, different political stances, all sorts of things. But God called us to do what? To share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with them. That's what He's called us to do. And it doesn't matter if they're different than us. He wants us to reach them. We've got to see people as Jesus sees them. Well, how does Jesus see people? We just read it, didn't you? It says He was, he was moved with compassion. He saw these people as a, a group of sheep without a shepherd. By the way, who is the shepherd? The Lord Jesus. He's the great shepherd. What these people needed were, was the shepherd, the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's very easy to go through life in a very impersonal way. And just kind of keep to yourself. He's called us to something else. He's called us to get involved and to share Christ. I want to close with this story. Don't close up shop, but I want you to listen carefully. A lot of you that are a little bit older remember this day, September 11, 2001. I remember exactly where I was. I actually watched the second... I think it was the second plane flying to the second tower. I saw it play out live. I just was at the, I was getting my car service today. I was sitting in a little waiting area watching things. I had no idea what was going on at that point. You that are younger, you've read about this in the history book or you've been told about it in history class. But it was the day that changed our world. And as far as our country is concerned, it's the day that changed our country forever. We've never been the same since that day. Paul Tripp tells the following story. I received it in an email from him. He said, Several weeks after the September 11th terrorist attacks, I had a heart-wrenching conversation with a manager of one of the restaurants in the World Trade Centers. He told me, and I quote, I can't get over the grief that I never saw the 250 people who worked for me as people. They were waiters, chefs, Busboys, hosts, event planners, but they weren't people to me. And over the last three weeks, I've gone to funeral after funeral and sat with their moms and dads, husbands and wives and children and heard the stories of their lives. Now they are people to me, but now they're gone. Paul Tripp said he wept as he told me that story. I wept. As I listen, it's hard not to get emotional thinking back to that story today, 22 years later. And it's hard not to feel guilt. I think this attitude is typical of many of us. I know it's true for me. I often don't see people as people. It's the barista whose job it is to create my perfect coffee order. It's the supermarket assistant who is there to speed up my process on the self-checkout scanner. It's the waiter who exists to get my delicious meal without any delays or mistakes. Tripp says, do you see people as people? Or are they functions to assist you in creating a day that is as stress-free and enjoyable as possible?
If you want to shine as a light in this world, pray that God will give you the eyes to see people as people. Slow down. Look into their eyes. And remember that this is a human being created in the image of God who has a heart, an eternal destiny, a story, a desire to be loved with legitimate fears and concerns and hopes and dreams. Then, adjust your schedule. Or make sacrifices to bump into these people more frequently. That could mean going to the same place at the same time so you can interact with the same person on a regular shift pattern. Maybe that means shopping differently to build relationships with people who live or work in your neighborhood. In other words, it's going to take intentionality. It's going to take time and effort and sacrifice and energy and money and whatever else it might take. But we must see people as Jesus sees them. As sheep without a shepherd, without the Savior. And they need to know Him before it's too late. So beloved, reach out to your world with the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, forgive us. I'll be the first to admit that at times we just live for ourselves. We're busy to get our things done, to get our errands run, to go through life as quickly and as stress-free as we can. And we don't want to be bothered by people. And we don't want to be bothered by their needs. We don't want to be bothered by their problems. Lord, break our hearts and open our eyes wide and help us to see the lost, the dying, groping along in darkness. They don't know You. They don't have a Savior who will shepherd them. So Father, help us to be intentional. To go out of our way, to put ourselves out, to set aside our plans, to be able to tell people about You and about a Savior who died and rose again, who loves them and wants to forgive them and give them hope and peace and joy and forgiveness and a home in heaven. If anybody here doesn't know You today, Lord, would You break their heart and help them to see their need? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.